Good morning. It is Thursday, February 3rd. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. In just a moment, I am going to throw it to Blair Angulo of the Football Recruiting Podcast as he is joined by National Recruiting Editor Brandon Huffman to run through the winners and losers of National Signing Day. We might hear some Texas A&M talk, some Clemson chatter, maybe a little Miami, and with both Blair and Brandon residing on the West Coast, I think there's a decent chance of some Arizona State opinion too. So without holding you any longer, here are Blair Angulo and Brandon Huffman with the winners and losers from National Signing Day. It's the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, and we are here to wrap up National Signing Day 2022. We had wall-to-wall coverage over on CBS Sports HQ, and now we're going to wrap everything up. We're going to put a bow on it, and we've got National Recruiting Editor Brandon Huffman on the line to discuss the winners and losers of National Signing Day to wrap up this 2022 cycle. Brandon, first of all, how are we doing? I mean, Blair, it's been so long since we've talked. It, long, long time, no talk, for it sure. Literally, was last we, year. We've added a new family member on this side of the conversation. Yeah, uh, baby. So we're, we've got an extra body out here. So slowly but surely, we're going to catch up to you. I guess the better question is, well, first of all, you got a long way to go to do that. So that's three more. But better question is not how I'm doing. How are you doing? I mean, it's interesting that we're talking winners and losers because I feel like I'm on, on both sides of it right now. Uh, obviously, gained, gained, gained a body, right? We, we have a little baby boy and, he, and he's awesome. But the, we're losing a lot of sleep right now. So we're winning oh. and we're losing, and uh, it, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and what better way to get back into the swing of things than with a three-day crash course heading into National Signing Day? Obviously, Wednesday, the first one of February every year, we wrap up every recruiting cycle. And, and in recent years, it's been a, maybe a little bit watered down. It hasn't been as monumental or as, I, I think, maybe drama-driven as, as they have been in, in the past. Obviously, the early signing period has become that day now, but still plenty of drama and still plenty of of really intriguing storylines. And to discuss some of the winners and losers, I wanted to bring you on to kind of touch on on some of the schools that made some noise and maybe some other schools that that kind of whimpered out. Let's start with Texas A&M. The Aggies secured the best recruiting class ever. Brandon Huffman, you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this for double digit years now, and I can't remember a class that was this loaded on not only the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's that's the big key here, but up and down this recruiting class. I mean, win after win after win. And when you talk about name, image, and likeness, when you talk about the changing of the guard in the SEC, I mean, I think Jimbo Fisher and that staff knocked it out of the park. I mean, if you look at Texas A&M's class and you look and see, they almost have an entire class just of blue chips. They had 29 commits, and of those 29 commits, only three were composite three stars. The two non-special teamers were high three stars, and their special teamer is the number two kicker in the country. That's how loaded their class is when their three lowest-rated recruits can't even factor into the rankings and... They're already high three stars. So then you take this this generational class, they lose Harold Perkins, and they still end up with a record-breaking score by getting Shamar Stewart. So that means their defensive line haul is Shamar Stewart, Gabriel Brown-Lodindy, Anthony Lucas, Inai White, and by the way, the number two player in the country, and who's number one in my final five stars, Walter Nolan. What a haul, and that's just on the defensive line. I mean, this is one of those classes that's not to be hyperbolic, but... It's kind of legendary, Blair. It, it, it's extremely legendary. And I feel like 
in this era with the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness and kind of building a brand, all of these pieces come to call a station together and they can become what we saw out of Georgia and what catapulted the Bulldogs to that national championship earlier this year with that dominant and, and kind of that just the, the just how challenging they were to scheme against because they're going to attack you uh, on all levels of the defense. You mentioned the defensive linemen there, big bodies, long bodies, projectable, high upside players. Uh, they have the linebackers. Obviously, they didn't win the Harold Perkins sweepstakes, and we're going to touch on that briefly in a little bit as he committed to LSU on National Signing Day. But they also got Jacoby Matthews, who what I, I, I guess you have to kind of consider him maybe one of the more enticing defensive prospects in this class, about 6'3", 195, can get up to about 2'10", 215. And I, I, I could see him being a player that plays in the box, can be a, a big-time linebacker with his, with his length and with his athleticism. And you just go up and down that list. They have so many players that fit different criteria, and, and I think that staff can mold them into whatever they want to be. You know, Jacoby Matthews is just kind of their way of just showing off. Like at that point, it was the last big announcement on CBS HQ today. He is the eighth highest rated player in Texas A&M's class. It was, a heat, it was a heat check. It was, yeah. It, it's one of those that like, you know, it's up there with Steph Curry shooting and then turning around and walking away as the ball falls through the net. The old Steph Curry, the new one misses. But the old Steph Curry would just shoot it and he wouldn't pull a Nick Young. He would actually nail it. And that's Texas A&M dominated the early signing period. They dominated signing day, and that's with losing a former commitment to them and Harold Perkins. You get Shamar Stewart, and then you put the perfect capper on the day on the recruiting cycle by landing Jacoby Matthews, and he's your eighth highest rated player in that class. I mean, that's just its one of those things where now with great success comes great expectations, Jimbo, and you now signed a class that has a dozen top 100 players you signed the highest rated class in history. Guess what Texas A&M fans want more than anything, Jimbo? They don't want a championship in February. They want it in January. Yeah, there's not going to be any excuses. Uh, and obviously, Jimbo Fisher ha- had a great appearance over on the National oh, Friday yes. Day Show uh, 2022 with, with our colleagues, Josh Pate, Steve Wilfong, and Andrew Rivens. And, and um, you know, if A&M is considered a, a winner, maybe, you know, sliced bread and, and our guys over at Bro Bible, they, they might be considered losers based on what we heard <laughs> out of Jimbo Fisher uh, during not only his, his appearance on the show, but also uh, with his press conference with the local media there, there in in College Station, uh, from from the A and M Aggies to a couple other winners on National Signing Day, that would be two schools that have been prevalent in the college football playoff in recent years. Clemson and Georgia, they picked up some commitment tough, and and I think you have to kind of like the direction that both of these schools took after the early signing period. Yeah, I mean, when you think Clemson, we're, we're used to them having a top ten class, but this was really the first kind of nine twelve month stretch that Dabo Swinney had faced some adversity. He lost both of his coordinators to head coaching jobs. He had, I think, three decommitments in the early signing period, something that Clemson has generally been able to avoid, had some transfers, actually got one player in the transfer portal who was actually a Clemson signee five years ago. But to start the day and to get Caden Story and then TJ Dudley as well, I, I think those are great additions to Clemson. They finished just outside the top 10 at number 11. But considering how turmoil-bound Clemson has been, and I use that room that word very liberally in this case, but it's not something that Clemson's been used to. I think you have to be happy that 
You still win 10 games in a season, and you still t- sign a class in the top 12 schools after losing the coaching, uh, the, the coordinators that, that Dabo did to still finish in the top 12 should be kind of like, if this is a down year for Clemson, then that's not a lot to, uh, to really worry about if you're a Clemson fan. Yeah, and I think obviously with the early signing period, we overlook the fact that they already have a Cade Klubnik, right? The the yes. Max Preps National Player of the Year. We kind of forget. My, my top quarterback in this class. And we forget, right? Because this used to be the day and this used to be the, the time when all the headlines were made and we, we would stamp uh, a lot of shiny things on certain schools. But uh, now everything is fragmented. We kind of forget that that player is going into to, to, to school to compete with a former five-star in DJ Uyangalele, and that could be another monumental shift for Clemson. So a, a nice win there. And then Georgia coming off its national championship, winning at the, that game and in the manner that they won it. It wasn't that close. It was dominant performance and capped off, obviously, by a big-time interception return by Keely Ringo, the, the former five-star prospect. Uh, I think they also now can reap those benefits. And heading into the early signing or heading into the uh, spring evaluation period and those off-campus you know, or on-campus visits during the off-season, it's going to be really impressive to see how selective that staff gets because now they can just choose whoever they want. You know, growing up, Blair's Lakers fan, I used to always love when they would go to break and you'd have students saying, you're listening to the world champion Los Angeles Lakers on the Lakers radio network. There was just something that popped about it. When Georgia has their press conference today, anytime they're on the radio over the next year, they're going to be announced as the national championship Georgia Bulldogs. And today, even though their class was relatively put together in December, they did get Kristen Miller, the national champions, got an in-state kid to stay home. And Georgia wins just because this is what Kirby was building for, that he could recruit a class that would come off a national championship. And we always say that big bump happens the year after your great season. So what does Georgia, that's been a top three recruiting program over the last five to seven years, do for an encore with that Georgia bump? I think today the fact that everything Kirby has been working for paid off, if you're a Texas A&M fan, if you're Jimbo Fisher, who's already won a national championship at Florida State, you look to Georgia to see it may not happen right away. Remember, Georgia in the year, the second year of Kirby was a Tua Tungavailoa walk-off touchdown to Vontae Smith away from winning a national championship. Then they had to slowly get back there. So a fans, it's possible to have a top class and not win a championship immediately. But if you keep pulling in, eventually time gets on your side and that talent's there. And Georgia shows today that as a national champion, this is what the rest of the country has to deal with. It's not just Bama anymore in the SEC. There's another national champion in that conference and they're recruiting really well. Uh, a handful of winners there, A&M, Georgia, and Clemson. We're going to be back with more here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast detailing the winners and losers from National Signing Day 2022. I am Blair Angulo, joined by the National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports, Mr. Brandon Huffman, also a Pac-12 Network star, Brandon. I, I love that appearance that you made earlier. Well, thank you. I like to uh, make sure I look good when I'm on television and want to make sure that... Uh, I preened for the cameras very well because the one thing about doing that bit on the Pac-12 network is they put our faces into thirds and my head hogs up a lot of that screen. <laughs> and you've you've actually spiced up your your wall. You've got a Dwight Gooden uh, little homage there as well. You've got some framed, believe it. You've got some framed jerseys. You, you've got some stuff on, on the wall. I like it. Yeah. The only hard part with it is it's a standing desk in which I shoot. So if I do a long bit, you can start to see my posture and my slouch start to increase. So that's the only bummer about the standing desk is sometimes these legs get tired. 
That's that's hilarious. We'll talk a little bit of Pac-12, a winner and a loser from the conference, or maybe a couple losers. It's been a losing couple years here for for the West Coast schools. Uh, but before we get to that, a, a loser out in SEC country, and that would be Florida. You know, obviously some mixed results there for the Gators uh, since the arrival of Coach Billy Napier. You know, losing some battles, winning some battles. It's going to take some time. Dan Mullen obviously left a lot to be desired. So I, I think anything at this point from a recruiting standpoint is 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 a plus for Florida, right? I think that fan base would agree that anything that that staff is doing now is better than whatever Dan Mullen was able to do here in the last year, year and a half of his tenure there. Um, but they didn't ha- even sign the best class in, in the state of Florida. That would go to Miami. So you have to consider the Gators to be one of the losers of National Signing Day. And I think Florida fans, it's going to get better under Billy Napier. Trust me, it's not going to be this bad. But they were left at the altar by a lot of players, including Trevante Citizen, who they had in for a visit, thought that they were going to have a puncher's chance, and they actually saw him go to Miami. So that shows you that the battles in the state of Florida are going to get better. They're going to get better because Miami is going to be recruiting at a high level with Mario Cristobal. Billy Napier is going to provide a pulse with recruiting at Florida. Then you also have, obviously, Mike Norvell at Florida State, who probably suffered the biggest loss of any recruit or of any coach with the recruit when he lost Travis Hunter during the early signing period. Florida, it's going to get better. And they finished in the top 20. So that's got to be somewhat encouraging that even in a year of transition with the head coach, even in a year where they almost essentially punted on trying to finish out the 22 class with a big bank, they did get Trevor Etienne at the All-American Bowl uh, earlier in January. Then they got you know, some other guys down the stretch that like Andrew Sabayanea out of the state of Washington, who I'm a big fan of. I was on the team that actually beat Travis Hunter in the ESPN Geico Bowl. But there may not be some sexy names on this, but I think it's a class that, hey, for the coaching transition to finish in the top 20, it could have been much worse. I think Florida fans will not be down that low that long. Miami can be considered a winner after landing top 24-7 running back Trevante's citizen. And, and like I mentioned before, they did sign the best recruiting class in the state of Florida among those schools, which should sign- signify the potential and, and maybe what we could expect out of Mario Cristobal. Now, he didn't have a lot of time to put this thing together, but it it, it obviously shows you know his recruiting chops. He was really close there with uh, Shamar Stewart as well, who ended up at AM. He even picked up the hat and said, hey, I... You know, this will always be home. And now with the transfer portal, if you come in second, you I mean, you might be that that's, you know, that's the next first place. And there's so much movement now. And, and if you continue to develop those relationships, which we, we know that Mario Cristobal can, uh, I think this is just the start of what we can see out of Cristobal and that staff in Miami. Yeah. And I think if you look at the way that Miami's class fared in December, when getting Nigel Lee Kelly, Jaleel Skinner, then obviously at the All-American Bowl with Cyrus Moss announced for them. There was a good close in December, and that was in a short time frame. Yes, they ended up the runner-up for a lot of guys, but there's enough positive momentum that Trevante Citizen ends up being a, a big deal for them because it shows you if Mario Cristobal can win those kind of battles in the short time he's been there, what's he going to do in a full cycle? And I think that that's something that really college football has been missing, is Miami recruiting like they're Miami. Even if it's been 20 years since they won a national championship, even if it's been, you know, 25, 30 years since the the 80s, you, Miami needs to recruit at a Miami level that we're all used to. And Mario Cristobal will ensure that that happens. 
Iowa State could be considered a loser. They lost the, a couple commitments, uh, one to Oklahoma, which closed pretty strong. They they got Grayson Allen out of the San Diego area. I think it was a Cavante Hendry that they also got as well out of the LA area. So uh, the Sooners, despite the fact that you know they lost out on on Lincoln Riley and they've been seeing a lot of the the the, the players transfer out, um, I think have regained some momentum recruiting wise. Uh, Texas also a winner, I think, in, in our book. Devin Campbell, the five star offensive line. And one of the best interior prospects that we've seen in recent years. It, it joins probably the best offensive line class in, in recent memory uh, when you put that whole group together. So the Longhorns are, are building things up front as well. And another school that won, I think, National Sign Day, and that would be the Oregon Ducks. They uh, got a commitment from Dave Uli to, uh, to wrap things up, and they had some success earlier in the day as well. I think when you look at Oregon, it's much like Mario Cristobal, what Dan Lanning did in a short amount of time. But let's go back to the Dan Lanning schedule over the last probably six weeks. Remember in recent years, we've seen Kirby Smart coach Alabama in the national championship game while taking the head coaching job in Georgia. They're not too far from each other. Steve Sarkeesian did it last year with Alabama and Texas. Uh, Lane Kiffin did it with Alabama and FAU. Dan Lanning was going from one part of the country clear to the other side of the country, coached in a playoff, coached in a national championship game, and still was able to put together a pretty good class. Considering how many players decommitted from Oregon on the heels of Mario Cristobal's departure for Miami, I think Oregon fans have to be absolutely ecstatic with how things played out. Most importantly, they were able to get three or four other commits that had opened things up and looked like they might be heading elsewhere back in the boat, whether that was Jalil Florence who committed to them yesterday, David Uli who committed to them today, Amarion Winston who stuck with his initial commitment, and then flipping Anthony Jones from Texas to Florida, and they, I'm sorry, from Texas to Oregon, and then Justice Lowe who was committed to Utah. They flipped him about two weeks ago. I think there's a lot of excitement and optimism around at Oregon and deservedly so. Yeah. And with that staff, like you touched on, I think they've put together a group of coaches that know how to recruit. And if we thought that USC was just going to steamroll through the Pac-12 now that Lincoln Riley is is out West, I think we're mistaken, right? Because I think Oregon is now lining things up to remain in the elite and to continue to draw visitors and to continue to have the success that we saw under Mario Cristobal in those years. In terms of an effort standpoint, in terms of those that staff putting in the work to recruit and, and be personable and have the charisma, I think all those coaches collectively uh, have been showing that they have they have that as a group, and it's going to be very interesting to see how the Ducks continue to respond. Staying in the Pac-12, a couple losers, Washington still leaving some some stuff there to be desired, and then ASU, which seems to just be crumbling every day. And then today kind of was the day that, with the exception of Herm Edwards being let go, and that still was a possibility, was the day I think a lot of people thought was going to come. They just maybe didn't think it was going to happen on signing day. And that was Antonio Pierce's departure. That was like the, the perfect capper on a horrible recruiting cycle for Arizona State. Not only did they lose their defense coordinator and offense coordinator to resignations, whether it was forced by the NCAA, forced by the school, or in Pierce's case to explore NFL opportunities, three other assistant coaches were let go. ASU ends up with the 12th best class of a 12-team conference. Not a great day for ASU. Not a lot to be excited about. Their second highest rated player in their class was Tristan Dunn. He flipped to Washington on Tuesday and... Arizona State's class right now just, it had the potential to be really good. There was a lot of talk early on about some of the players they were in on. And then as the looming investigation by the NCAA kind of hung over the hung over them, coaches were being let go, players were decommitting, and ASU ends up with the worst class in the conference. Yeah, and 
I kind of go back to Pac-12 Media Day over the summer when Herm Edwards had his appearance in front of the media for the first time, uh, at least the national media. And he he brushed things off. And it seemed like he was still trying to kind of sweep things under the rug and not make it seem like it was as big a deal as it it was, right? From a recruiting standpoint, I think they took a big hit. They have been, I think, themselves limiting the amount of scholarships that they're sending out. They didn't really host any visitors during the season. They didn't really have the activity that we expect out of a, a school that's been rising in the Pac-12 with the roster that they had and, and you know, going to a bowl game and all that sort of stuff. And so th- this hasn't been completely a surprise, but it does seem to indicate that the Sun Devils are going to be trending downward here for, for the next uh, year or two. And, and we'll see how things shake up and, and whether or not there's a change made because uh, it certainly does seem to be that way or it looks that way as we wrap up National Signing Day 2022. Brandon, anything else you want to touch on? I think it's you know great to just hear your voice once again, Blair. It's been so long. Look forward to getting back on the road and seeing you out at these events, but perfect way to end the 2022. I think we're the, the last remnants of a COVID-impacted recruiting cycle probably done with the 2022 class. 2022, you can make a case that Nobody got the shaft more than 2022, so they get to take official visits, which the 2021 class outside of JT Tweet Motherwell didn't get to do. They didn't have an evaluation period, but I think we're finally going to see a little bit of kind of return to the normalcy that recruiting is. Oh, wait, no, we have the transfer portal now. So forget that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, some winners, some losers, but I think we can all agree that it was all about the memories that we made along the way on this 2022 recruiting cycle. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us as always. And uh, I'll catch you soon. We'll be out on the road hitting to vents and going to showcases and camps and seven on seven. So it's going to be a treat. Get some sleep, Blair. Big thanks to Blair and Brandon. Make sure to follow Blair on Twitter at Angulo and follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. It was a fun signing day for sure. And I have to give a shout out, of course, to everyone who made the 24-7 Sports National Signing Day show on CBS Sports HQ possible. As always, they did a phenomenal job. For Blair Angulo and Brandon Huffman, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to this edition of the College Football Daily.